In the spring of 2021, Jinx Monsoon and Nick Zahoya recorded a Futurama recap podcast. For reasons unknown, it was never released. These are the raw tapes. I'm 40% everyone i'm jinx monsoon and welcome to episode four of i'm 40 percent podcast with my co-host nick sahoya and today we have special guests no wait 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 no that can't be the that can't be the intro for him you didn't do any work you said you were going to do a rewrite i this is what we talked about last week because you know it did not i want to be rude but it didn't this it conversation didn't go well with never him. happened. It didn't go terrible, but it didn't go like. Stellar. Well, the reason it didn't go well is because you kept interrupting. Guy, is that, there any can, credits you you'd like me to blame. list? You can cast blame, or you can take ownership of your performance. I'm you're just, not, I'm trying to. You're not even acknowledging you. the fact that I finally got an Ethernet cable. Okay. You didn't bring uh, that up. I would like to be clear that I've done many things. I was the host of Talk Show, the game show on True TV. I've written the book, uh, My Life as a Goddess, but it's not really about me listing my credits. It's more about feeling as an artist that I am recognized and understood by the artist that I'm working with. I didn't realize I was coming in cold. Guy, yeah, gotcha. I'm so sorry. That's not fair to you. And like, this is, it's like, I feel like I invited Nick, a friend home to Thanksgiving and my mom. Nick, be quiet, please. Um, let me try again. Hi, everyone. I'm Jinx Monsoon, and this is I'm 40% Podcast with my co-host, Nick Sahoya. And today we're so super excited because our guest is not only the host of his own talk show, but also the author of a book. Please give it up for Guy Branham. Good to be here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I think I'm guy. I'm sorry that it's not good like right now, but I think in post we we have what we need. I'll I'll edit it all together. I'm so sorry, but we, let's just let's not let it Nick, ruin our day. Let's keep going. Nick, you embarrassed me thoroughly in front of my friend last week. Are you going to do the same with I our legendary you? guest today? We have uh, yes, legendary. You did. We're gonna have legendary guests every week, and we just need to get the embarrassment under control before. It's not like a close friend, a dear friend like Guy. Why don't you start your own podcast and see how many listeners you get? <laughs> I can't because I'm the producer of this podcast. I'm already very busy. Uh, so we got to let's talk you about. You can't the just be throwing around titles like producer. Like you threw it at me. I didn't ask for this response. No, I asked you to I'm edit much one like Guy's video Baltar as vice president in season one of Battlestar Galactica. I did not ask for this responsibility, but I'm also mentally ill. Can we move on? Oh my God! Wow, <laughs> what a great tone to start this episode Battlestar. on. It's really good, guy. Have you seen Battlestar? <laughs> I recently got to explain the premise of Battlestar Galactica to my niece, um, and she was thrilled and electrified. And there are a few things as satisfying as getting to explain the premise of something and then explain that it's based on a weirdly Mormon show that lasted half a season. <laughs> <in 1980. laughs> guy, um, how old is this niece? She is 19 years old okay. um, and on quite a journey. Uh, <laughs> Nick met her one I've met her twice, time. actually. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I met her in Seattle as well that one time. Yes, yeah, when she was a little child. Yeah. <laughs> I have a niece who's eight, and she's also on quite the journey. I, um, uh, I recently explained to her... Um, uh, the non-binary gender identity and why we use they, them pronouns. And she basically was bored with it because she kind of already knew all of it. Like an eight-year-old, this is how, you know, like if, if we raise our children to be open-minded, they'll be open-minded. <laughs> I, mean, I think it's, it's almost like don't put anything in there and they'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, we should have been letting Tumblr raise our children this entire time. Yeah. That's a very good job. Yeah, now that they got all the porn off there, I think we could just replace it with kindergarten, you know, instead of kindergarten, yeah, but, you go to Tumblr. 
now that they got all the porn off there, it's dying. It's a dying star. <laughs> I mean, but is anybody, I'm very liberated by going through my Twitter feed and just seeing wieners and guys getting plowed. Like, there's something so, like, adorable about the fact that Instagram has to be like, oops, a nipple. But um, Twitter is like, go for it. Breed him. So the cold open of this episode of Futurama um, is Leela on a date. I would say it's one of the better cold opens. You get a great fake out because there's uh, these like tiny little pills on their on their. I plates. disagree. I I find it to be less of a fake out and more of a bait and switch. Semantics, semantics. How do you differ those two things? Well, a fake out is like uh 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 nah. Whereas a bait and switch is like this. Here you go. I gotcha. All right. I mean, I didn't go to I art school. I didn't, I didn't study the Commedia dell'arte characters. So, <laughs> um, don't you guys don't start with um what the little line at the beginning is? Oh, the little fun little thing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was fun for the whole family except Grandma and Grandpa, which was like <laughs> a sweetly naive sass of two like. 2002, when it was still almost the 90s. Yeah, they get much raunchier later on. This is still a simple time (laughs) in 2000. I I think the problem with Nick and I watching this show now is we've watched every episode so many times that we don't even register it as a moment-by-moment episode. It just kind of all globs together in our mind as as an experience. (laughs) But I think Guy's right. We do need to have... We do need to once... episode uh, acknowledge the little thingy <laughs> i don't know what to call it is it a chiron <laughs> yeah um but the like underneath the board, futurama thing just like the chalkboard in the simpsons there's always a little message that's funny um watching what 104 them at a restaurant i was like is it fake emeralds yet have they had fake emerald on what's his name oh um, um elzar elzar, elzar. <laughs> uh, bam <laughs> I don't know if we, we got a bam in this episode, but it was not from Elzar. <laughs> no. Um, Guy, before we get into the uh, the video at all, um, the video, the episode, um, are you a fan of Futurama? Have you watched it before? Yes. I have watched all of Futurama at least twice. And um, what are the first three words that come to your mind when you think of Futurama? <laughs> For its time. <laughs> For its time. Yeah. That's, um, that's Did you keep up with accurate. it when it sort of came back from being canceled? Did you still spend time yes. with it and enjoy it? Yes, and it was complex relationships with it, with the movies and everything, but I think in some I liked all of them. I would like to change the first three words that come to my mind. <laughs> um, Take two, let's go. Um, uh, uh, even though these clearly aren't the words that come to my mind, requisitioned his groove. That is <laughs> right. <laughs> we should mention this. When I asked Guy if he wanted to be on this podcast, he said, can I please do the Hermes requisitioned his groove episode? Um, we'll so make we'll sure have to have you, you back. back for that. Yeah. <laughs> I, would, I would love that. What but speaks it, to you about that episode in particular? You really, you brought it up immediately. <laughs> oh, because like, to, like to me, the comedy of the excessively bureaucratic person in this semi-dystopia is super fun, understanding the richness of that world, them having numbers on and everything like that. But even in this episode, there was like a joke I hadn't paid attention to before, but when they're talking about going for somewhere to find a date, um, he's like, uh, the federal sex dispensary. And it's like <laughs> a fun, weird game for, um, for Hermes. And like he and, he and Amy have this weird obligation of like, added characters for diversity after the pilots. <laughs> but there's such both I never thought characters. of that. Yeah, all the non-white characters sort of filter in after yeah. the pilot. Um I I like the juxtaposition of Hermes being the bureaucrat and also the, the bureaucrats. That's the, the bureau- sequel to that, the Aristocats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the <laughs> they're, they're not rich anymore. They're it's the Warner Brothers knockoff of the- <laughs> <laughs> No, I like that the bureaucrat of the show is also the stoner, which, like, I mean, that doesn't make any sense to me. I can't do paperwork while stoned. I never put that on. I never heard that said out loud before, but I guess that is the bit with Hermes, huh? Mm-hmm. It's, 
it's like they had they made all these decisions arbitrarily and then had to like navigate that later it's like he'll be the bureaucrat he'll also be jamaican for diversity oh but because he's jamaican we have to make him a stoner how how do we how do we leverage him being a stoner with him being a bureaucrat we'll just never address it he'll just be both things at once showing us that people are nuanced and complex <laughs> it's a really fun game i love it <laughs> Every show should have a stoner character. I'm pretty sure every show does have a stoner character. We got Shaggy. <laughs> we got Otto. <laughs> we got... Uh, Haley and Jeff. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> American Dad, okay? I will not be ashamed of liking that show. <laughs> Guy, you are a pop culture connoisseur. I think that's like kind of your M.O., where would you put Futurama in the canon of other adult comedy cartoons? Is it in your top 10? It's definitely in my top 10. American Dad, though many of my friends have worked on it, not. Um, <laughs> like to, to me, it is iconic and beautiful and almost by having sort of like, the vastness of The Simpsons makes it almost unwieldy. Where, like, um, Futurama <laughs> is just so, like, discreet. There are jokes from it that are, I love so much, um, and moments that I, like, want to find again. Um, it, like, now do I kind of love and relish uh, Rick and Morty more? Maybe. But, like, we wouldn't have a Rick and Morty if it weren't for Futurama. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I just want to say that both The Simpsons and Futurama, if you look at that, it's like The Simpsons is so broad and and set up so much for adult animation, um, you know, that we now enjoy. Um, and then a lot of the creators from The Simpsons went to work on Futurama, which is a little bit more refined, a little bit more narrowed in its tunnel vision. Um, the same thing happened with American Dad. <laughs> oh, my God. We're not going <laughs> to... I think that you're right, though. I do think that Futurama gets to being a great show faster than The Simpsons did. I feel like Simpsons kind of clicked around, like, season three or four. Did either Futurama's, of you, like, getting there already. Did either, did either of you have a relationship with the critic? Um, Barely. It confused me because I was a little boy. <laughs> yeah, we were too young. We're very Sorry, young guy. guy. <laughs> we get it. You're very young. It was a good show. I will watch it though. I, I watched the episode of The Simpsons where the critic came to visit. <laughs> well, I mean, it's hard because he's really sticking it to prestige cinema of 1993. <laughs> yeah, um, I did. There was a lot of Sylvester Stallone jokes that I didn't get. Yeah. I did like the voice acting on the critic when I was a kid and I would, I would watch anything animated, whether I understood it or not. So I don't remember understanding a single joke on the critic or anything that like, you know, there's moments of the Simpsons that stand out in my memory from childhood that I can like tell you where I was on the couch watching it that night, but <laughs> it's not the same with the critic. Yeah. 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 Which cushion I was on, um, which stain I was covering up. <laughs> I mean, but one of the phenomena that like delights me most is when the Simpsons makes a cultural reference, you don't understand. And then you go learn what it is or Futurama makes like um, a um, like joke about some, dystopian movie from 1972 and then years later you're watching the omega man or logan's <laughs> run and you're like oh that's what oh. they were parodying growing up is fun for that reason yeah <laughs> i i do like <laughs> i do like re-watching shows that i watched as a child over and over again because every couple of years new new references make sense to me um i will say and i want to ask um i never really watched much sci-fi stuff um before you know being a fan of futurama and now of course i love rick and morty which is a parody of like everything sci-fi and um my partner and i started watching doctor who we just got into season three of doctor who and it's amazing how like the shared is it language Christopher eccleston still or is it no, david tennant now 
It's David Tenninch. Thank you. Um, Tenninch. <laughs> what a funny British joke. Tenninch. <laughs> that's his nickname it's, in the... It's BB, there's BBC-produced porn starring David Tenninch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Queen called it rather good. Um, <laughs> um, I just love the shared language among um, sci-fi shows. And what I love about Futurama is that the more, you know, like I'm a big fan of Star Trek Voyager. I'm becoming a big fan of Doctor Who, which I promised myself I would never do, but here I am. And what I love about Futurama is they just are constantly poking holes in what's funny about sci-fi shows. (laughs) Hey, Jinx, Jinx, you like Voyager? Yes. You should watch Battlestar Galactica. The guy who made Voyager made Battlestar Galactica. I've and watched Battlestar Galactica of... was the show that he was trying to make when he made Voyager. I have watched much of Galactica. Much, okay. <laughs> much ado about not all of it. <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I, I'm an English major. I don't actually know what much ado about nothing means. Um, <laughs> So Leela is on a date. <laughs> Leela's on, on a date. And um, she is having a nice time with this guy. They're eating their after dinner mints in what one could call a bait and switch of sorts. Uh, it is revealed that those are the after dinner mints and not the meal. Um, and she <laughs> is talking about how great it is that uh, he's not bothered by her eye, but then he eats the after dinner mint with his long purple and pink lizard tongue. And she goes, Ew! <laughs> Yeah, so this raises a couple questions. We've had the bait and switch with the dinner mint. You know, she says, such generous generous portions. Um, and, and you think she's talking about the mints in front of them, but turns out they're just mints. Anyway, that means they've made it through the entire meal without his lizard tongue ever making an appearance yet. <laughs> he waited yeah, till... Yeah, did he eat mints. the food with a fork and knife till then? <laughs> But also your tongue kind of comes out of your mouth when you eat. <laughs> or when you talk. Look, I'm talking now and you can see my tongue. <laughs> yeah, it's all over the place. You know, as a guy with a lizard tongue who looks humanoid, he probably understands <laughs> that, like, dis- he's had to deal with disclosure so many times that, like, he probably, like, puts a lot of effort into eating without a visible tongue. <laughs> and then once she's, like, warmed up, he then is like, hey, there's something about me you should know. Yeah. And, and of course, you know, it's, it's like, uh, Leela is oftentimes hypocritical. (laughs) (laughs) Um, she like everything else about him seems like a great guy, but this lizard tongue is the deal breaker, but she's so sick of people doing that to her for her eye. And, and we do learn in this episode um, and throughout the series that uh, Leela does have um, varying standards from moment to moment. <laughs> well, two, two things. One, it's like so tragic to watch it knowing that she's playing this, like this alien thing was sold to her. But at the end of the day, she's just a mutant, which we'll find out eventually. <laughs> Spoiler. Spoilers. Um, a little sad for her. But there's also just the way that like, especially in like the early 2000s, presenting female spaceship captain, there was this tendency to sort of lean into, oh, this kick-ass woman is great and does nothing wrong, and the men are always kooky. And (laughs) I just love that like, Leela does dumb shit on a regular basis, and particularly in this episode. Yeah. She's very human this episode. Um, same can be said about Catherine Janeway, you know, um, and what I love to be said about Admiral Adama and President, (laughs) what's her name? Rosalind, I think. (laughs) Do you you have some Catherine Janeway for us, Jinx? Uh, Chicote, would you like to join me for some coffee? (laughs) We we found out that Captain Janeway is basically just a white Eartha kit. (laughs) day. <laughs> um, so uh, after the opening credits and the opening theme song and the hilarious Chiron, um, we are back at Planet <laughs> Express and all of the uh, other co-workers of Leela's are telling her what she needs to do to get a man. And she's not really taking the advice, but they're also being very annoying. <laughs> 
Yeah, and you know they're pointing out how picky she can be. <laughs> I like how she says, "I don't care how many eyes a man has, as long as it's less than five. <laughs> <laughs> I also love the professor's entrance in in this episode. Um, Leela says, "Can we please stop talking about my personal life?" And the professor comes in and goes, "Yes, yes, we can all talk about Leela's personal life later. For now, <laughs> we have a mission." Um, I have to say, I would love a job at Planet Express. Um, there are days when I am, you know, worn out from from my life as a live entertainer, and I'm watching something like Futurama or The Office, and I'm thinking, if a nine to five day job was with these wacky bunch of characters, I'd I'd really love it. I'd ex- I'd excel there. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah, nothing the- as smart as them having a kitchen i love that they fucking have a kitchen (laughs) like that's what you like it's a fucking space delivery agency but it still feels like a real workplace because they got a fucking kitchen maybe it's like a we work situation well the professor lives there we occasionally see the professor's bathroom and the professor's bedroom and i and i think he when he do you think he has to file it as like a a residence On his tax forms. Well, he he does say that, uh, like when he introduces Planet Express as his, he says it's his home business, and he's okay. always talking about tax write-offs. So I mean, <laughs> and he says that the Planet Express is just his home business to fund his many um, experimental <laughs> <laughs> scientific endeavors. So okay, this is true. This tracks. Um, they decide to go out dancing. Um, to find Leela a man and we see the hip joint for the first time which is a (laughs) club that we will go back to a bunch of times and I have to say I really really love the music that they play at the hip joint they play it a lot in Futurama and it kind (laughs) of (laughs) goes and I really wish I could go to a club where it's just that song (laughs) yeah that would be good Um, that's not far off from our theme song (laughs) (laughs) Michael stole it (laughs) more floating platforms uh, at bars like oh with a go-go boy on it we are held back by a little box technology (laughs) (laughs) platforms we have hover technology why can't we apply it to go-go dancing oh yeah like when you put a magnet above another magnet if we just have the go-go boy like swallow a big magnet then he'll float all night Jinx what if you were the Hedy Lamar of gay bars <laughs> and it was like well you know one drag race known as drag queen but patented the technology by which we have hovering go-go boys to this day i don't know if i'd go the magnet route i think um <laughs> I mean, the i'm not sure you have to cool the go-go boy to absolute zero <laughs> <laughs> What about wind tunnels? You know, <laughs> just enough okay. wind to get them off the ground. But he's naked. Um, Where's the wind going to catch? <laughs> it's going to be a lot of wind. It's going to be a bit of a vacuum. It's going to be an Augustus Gloop situation. <laughs> um Okay, so I do like the commentary on the rings. You know, we were we were fed for so long the idea of in the future everyone's wearing like glowing rings hovering around their body. And we find out that the rings were at one point cool, but now they're retro and ironic. <laughs> um, but Fry, being from our time, thinks they're legitimately cool, which almost gets him in hot water with the ironically cool people. <laughs> Hey, did that guy just say rings are cool? No, he said they were stupid. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) They love that British guy voice. I love whenever that British guy comes back. (laughs) He does come back here and there. Um, Leela is introduced to to a, a whole host of eligible bachelors, but only after um, Bender pulls out his gaydar and reveals that gaydar <laughs> is a real thing. <laughs> I will say this is a uh, early 2000s gay joke that doesn't punch down in an uncomfortable way. Yeah. So that made me happy. Um, although there is like a couple transphobic things later in the episode. We'll maybe talk about those as they come up. Yes. But I do um, think it's legitimately funny that Bender just thinks everyone is gay, including the glowing ball of energy from another dimension. <laughs> I mean, the energy being was my favorite. Like, um, that voice. I, loved, I loved him. It was fucking great. One of my biggest problems with Star Trek Discovery is 
never encounter any energy beings. And if you watch original <laughs> series Star Trek, energy beings are giving someone on the ship powers like nine times out of ten <laughs> episodes. Like it's just all that the show is. Yeah. Um, give you some yes. more energy beings. The energy being um, delivers one of my favorite lines. <laughs> one day you will evolve beyond your physical body. And on that day, I hope you will pick up the phone. <laughs> oh, that's tough on the pipes. I bet that was Billy Jinx West. Monsoon blew out her voice this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> She's canceling seven weeks of shows. Um, this is a rough night for Leela because basically everyone hooks up on this night. Um, Zoidberg is a lobster today and hooks up with a lobster, oh, yeah. like just a lobster in a tank. Um, even Fry has luck with a lady and okay, Fry never I, has we luck We got to talk about ladies. Fry's... <laughs> date first of all i think she is great she's like a female fry that i believe um (laughs) but here's my question there's a bit where they're like oh you're from the 21st century i'm from the 21st century we have so much in common blah 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 but then she says do you remember when those cyborgs enslaved the human race so somewhere this woman's like in her mid-20s so somewhere in the last 25 years, cyborgs have enslaved the No, not in the race. last 25 years. She's from the 21st century. She was also like frozen alive like No, Fry. she was not. That's what they're having. That's what they're talking about. No, 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 because, no, no, no. I, I, would like to, I would like to state my thesis. It is the 22nd. They're, the tw- they're now in the 22nd century. No, I, they're in the 30th in the 31st century. I don't know how centuries Okay, work. no, you're right. I withdraw, I withdraw my objection. <laughs> my objection was I thought <laughs> a century was a thousand years. <laughs> you're right. Okay, that, we were both thinking that, and yet we were both arguing opposite points, yet we somehow we were both making mad the same other, wrong. We were both wrong, yeah. And thank God Guy, the one actual adult here, was able to mediate that. <laughs> Stop Guy fucking calling me old jinx. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I, we didn't talk about it earlier, but I, uh, when Zoidberg said soon she'll drop her eggs, um, <laughs> back at the office, I just love when Zoidberg misdiagnoses mammals. Like, just, <laughs> it's never not funny. <laughs> it's good because he's a doctor and he should know better. <laughs> it just works. Um, later we'll have an episode where everyone, uh, much, much later, it's actually one of the worst episodes, but um, everyone's complaining about Dr. Zoidberg being so terrible a doctor. And the professor says, um, that's just because you're humans. It's your fault for being humans. Zoidberg's a wonderful alien doctor. It's your <laughs> fault for being humans. Um, so we have to assume that Zoidberg has some skills somewhere, but for whatever reason, his current what job is What if he's just like Ben Carson, doctor. though, and he just failed upwards and then kind of like... <laughs> was ostracized from his planet and ended up on this planet looking for like yeah, low grade he, work. Yeah, and and on Earth that's being a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> um so the uh Leela is sad because she didn't get laid. Everyone else did. She's sitting at the um it's like closing time. She's sitting at the booth alone and the janitor comes up like, hey there, sexy mama. Oh, whoa, I thought you had two eyes. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I thought you had two eyes. Um, <laughs> um which uh, you know, like we'll skip ahead a little bit, but when they are going on their charity mission to um what Virgon Six to save the animals on a dying planet. Um, I love the logic that Fry and Bender use to try to cheer up Leela. Um, they said that she's doing it all wrong. She's trying to find a man with one eye or a man who accepts her for having one eye when what she should do is find a good man with two eyes and just poke one out. <laughs> <laughs> Which is essentially, you know, like um, not far off from my dating tactics. You know, like <laughs> Guy, isn't Virgon one of the Battlestar Galactica planets? A hundred percent it is. So do you think this is because as we know from Battlestar Galactica, all of this has happened before and all of this will happen again. Do you think this is six cycles of the Battlestar Galactica reboot in and Virgon six is the sixth Virgon? Absolutely. Okay. um, Thank you. Nibbler is an evolution of uh, the people of the 13 colonies. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Because who knows? (laughs) (laughs) 
we what we do know for true is <laughs> is that this show is a parody of all sci-fi <laughs> work. So, I mean, Virgon Six might be a reference to Battlestar Galactica, but when we meet Zap Grant Brannigan, he is a direct parody of Captain Kirk. Yes, um, <laughs> we love Zap, and this is an important episode because we meet Zap and Kiff. Oh, and Nibbler. <laughs> Momentous. I mean, to just think about how many things we're going to learn about Kiff's biology over the course of the next season—his <laughs> system of bladders. Uh, I'm supported uh, by a series of gas-filled bladders. <laughs> the the bladders are fluid-filled, Mom. I just want to re- correct you for the whatever. <laughs> gas and fluid are the same thing, just in different states. The gas so could whatever. be a fluid, sure. Yes. Thank sure. you. <laughs> Fine. I like we the We learn a lot about science on this show. <laughs> Speaking but what of we science. This episode is that Zap lo- loves velour, which matters more than any of that. <laughs> Do you um, think he was I- Team Sasha in season nine? <laughs> it's also like. <laughs> Jinx Zap- doesn't like jokes about other drag race winners. That's why she did laugh. <laughs> it's also a joke about um, how Zap Brannigan and Jason Alexander. Um, as George Costanza are basically the same person. Wait, what? George Costanza oh. loves velour. If he, if, okay, he, if it was yeah. socially acceptable, he would drape himself in velour every day. I forgot you rewatched Seinfeld recently. Very proud of you. <laughs> it's amazing that, I mean, Seinfeld does, uh, I think, better than Futurama as far as holding up today. Um, it's just, it's, it's just one of these difficult things um being being our age and watching these shows that we we love from our youth or from our early adulthood and realizing that just 10 years ago we didn't um we were so conditioned not to think it was weird to just have so much um casual homophobia transphobia racism in our television and it's not like we didn't know it was bad it was like we were conditioned to think that just just the smallest amount of homophobia is all right you know like it's okay if it's just a tiny bit of racism mixed like into a generally good you know show. yeah you don't want like, too much one of the garnish is like amazing to me is the way that we conceived of it as inclusion in 1998. <laughs> oh, there's a gay character in this movie. They <laughs> have a place at the table. They are ridiculed by straight people. <laughs> and it's a shock and it's funny when it's revealed that they're gay. Yeah. It's it, um, every Adam Sandler movie. Oh, this character was gay and he's kissing a man. Everybody laugh. Um, Everybody laugh. So that. That said, I watched Four Weddings and a Funeral like day before yesterday, and there is a gigantic African caricature in a scene for like three minutes. Like, we we sure weren't thinking. <laughs> <laughs> what, what year is that? Like late 90s? Somewhere? 94. Oh, mid 90s. Ooh. Oof. Oof, the nineties. It's it's amazing looking back on the nineties, this time of like revolution and social change and like um you know inclusion. And actually it was <laughs> just just trying to be those things but not succeeding very well. Mm-hmm. We're trying in a very superficial way. Um, and how quickly everyone congratulated themselves after the 90s. Like, we did it. We solved everything. <laughs> it's the uh, 2000s the now, and we're enlightened, and we're Pink paper <laughs> for 10 years. That was all we cared about. <laughs> um, so uh, they go to Vergon 6. Um, I was confused because, like, why was the professor sending them there? Because he seems to object to Leela collecting the animals. Did I miss something? He, um, it's a it's a tax write off charity mission, and they're there. But to does he the want animals. the dark? Oh, but he. They're why there... did he tell them about about okay. the dark matter? The dark matter. The planet used to be full of dark matter, and people right. have mined the dark matter so much that the planet is imploding. And the right. charity mission that they're on, that's a tax write-off for the professor, is they're bringing back the animals so that they can save each species of animal on this planet when the planet implodes. Okay. 
That makes and sense. And we realized that the dark matter was on the planet because Nibbler lived there and Nibbler poops dark matter and had been filling up the planet. Not just Nibbler, his race, we'll learn that later, but the planet well, was it- the planet was their pooping planet. And that's why it was full of dark matter. And Did then they it say was that mined. Later? Like when we meet the Nibbler? Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. We'll see. Um, I like <laughs> I like Zap and uh, Kip's relationship. I like when he says, um, go lay out my formal shirt. <laughs> Excuse me. He says, <laughs> he says, have the boy lay out my formal shorts. And Kip goes, what? And he says, you, you're the boy. <laughs> you lay out my formal shorts. <laughs> um, Zap Brannigan is probably um, the character I detest the most from this whole series. I mean, obviously he's, he's designed to be detestable, but I just actually just hate him. <laughs> I, think he's, I think he's truly one of the funniest characters. Every time he shows up, even late in the series, whereas Bender's really good at the beginning and gets kind of annoying. Like, Zap is always funny every time he like, shows up. There, there are, like, broad comedy characters that I, in, like, finicky gay child way, was always <laughs> just like, ugh, they're too much, get them away from me. Never was a fan of Lenny and Squiggy. Like, they're just gonna make trouble. Um, but fucking <laughs> Zap Brannigan is so, like, he has so much of a sense of his own charm. Like, <laughs> that, that story about the kill bots of what have you, what have you. Like, I mean, it's just such a beautiful parody of male mediocrity. Yes. I mean, for the purpose of poking fun uh, at the straight white male um, who is so fragile that he must boast his own accomplishments, even though he's really just a, um, a buffoon in a velour suit. I do like the satire here, but if I ever met him in in real life, I'd probably puke in my mouth. Um, <laughs> but he has a lot of great one-liners, like "prepare for prepare for battle," and then we'll have a light dinner, ravioli, ham, Sunday bar. <laughs> <laughs> So they uh, go to said dinner, um, and Kif is, or excuse me, Zap is kind of putting the moves on Leela. They tell the Killbot story there. Am I correct? I'm getting mixed yeah, up because we're we're bouncing around quite a bit. Well, we're we're letting the conversation flow naturally, so I think you should stop trying to police. I the just way think we, you should. We talk. I just I just don't um, want I don't want our guests did, to. He's like confused his, and uncomfortable. His fame, his uh, his claim to fame is that he defeated the Killbots. And Leela brings this up when she's still, like, impressed by him. Um, and he only defeated the Killbots because he knew that eventually they'll short-circuit if they kill they too many people. They had a preset kill limit. <laughs> yeah, so he, so he sends wave after wave of men <laughs> to be killed by the Killbots until they finally just shut down. Um, then when Leela reveals why they're why they're there at Virgon Six to save the animals. Um, he, he says, What's your troubles, Leela? Whatever it is, I'm willing to send wave after wave of my men at <laughs> your disposal. Right, men? You suck. <laughs> like, so at least um, Zap's crew Zap's crew already knows that he's a he's a doofus. Well um, they also we- reveal that um, <laughs> Zap objects to like Leela going down there because Dupe, the sort of Futurama equivalent, the domestic of the gr- order galactic. of planets, the yeah. domestic order of planets, aka and it's like Dupe. the Galactic Federation. <laughs> and this is the first time we're hearing about them. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, and yeah, they are in charge of this mining operation, and Zap is one of their top generals. And he says they have a strict non-interference um, policy with uh, with other species, and it's called Brannigan's Law. <laughs> and I don't pretend to understand Brannigan's Law. I just enforce it. <laughs> I mean, like, what a better, like, what a wonderful parody of the Prime Directive to be like, <laughs> it's the Prime Directive, but only because we fucked up so much. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they're basically saying they can't interfere with other species that they've decimated. Um, I mean, you know, in in many ways, Futurama was ahead of its time because um, we learned in past episodes before... 
before our current uh, political struggles, um, they are pointing out just how pointless and useless the police force is in New New York. Um, and now they're basically like talking about how... <laughs> colonialism is just the ultimate destructive force in the universe and it gets so bad that they have to make a rule that they can't interfere with their own fuck-ups anymore (laughs) um, did you watch did you watch original star trek going up um yes why well just because it's a kirk parody like did this speak to you (laughs) i prefer original star trek to basically every other Star Trek. As like a gay child and a gay child who was exposed to Jean-Luc Picard. Oh, fucking next generation. Everyone's professional and respects each other. I love it. And his swagger, I like the campy appreciation of his swagger, I didn't understand. I was just like, why doesn't everyone just do what Spock tells them to do? <laughs> He's right. Um, but Zap Brannigan was is, right. like, is like the perfect level of just sort of embracing the kind of... Um, you know, cowboy with a gut um, that we were always getting <laughs> from uh, Shatner. I also love that, like, <laughs> Shatner and Nimoy are so nicely, like, two approaches to Jew. Like, two very different approaches <laughs> to Hollywood Jew. Um, and I love both of them. I I never watched original Star Trek and I still haven't. I started with Next Generation as a as a young person and was obsessed with Deanna Troy, still am. But Voyager is the is the Star Trek that I most resonate with. Um, but I appreciate, you know, all the elements of Star Trek that led to where we are today with Picard having his own spin-off, which was amazing, and Discovery being like the perfect amount, like, modern and captivating, but still giving us that soap opera drama we've come to expect from Star Trek. (laughs) I like, yeah, I like Discovery a lot, and I like the original a lot. And Next Generation is good for me, but, like, all of, I felt like Voyager and Deep Space Nine were, like, hey, Next Generation work, let's let's do that again. That's why I kind of like Discovery. But also the fact that they were, like, Next Generation work, let's try something led to real specificity, the bitchiness of DS9. Like, the <laughs> DS9 never had the responsibility of being the Star Trek show. It was always a Star Trek show. Meant that, like, <laughs> Captain Sisko was mean to his crew. Um, <laughs> like, we got real time with Ferengi. Yeah, real time with Ferengi and a different side to New the Ferengi. Rules. Bump, 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 so a big plot point in this episode is that Leela has pity sex with um, Zap Brannigan. Um, yeah, we this- should set the scene because she finally goes into the bedroom and he's in, um, he's like on a floating heart motel bed <laughs> <laughs> that's plugged into the wall we later see. And we and, also um, learn that he never wears full length anything. You know, his his yeah. <laughs> naval suit is a mini skirt. His his lounging robe is a mini skirt. <laughs> Do you think Will Arnett on Thirty Rock stole his robe bit from this show, Guy? Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> I need a. I, I'm here to push you for some hard answers. <laughs> I'm a journalist. Do you think that Will Arnett stole it from Zach Brannigan? And also, do you think he was in charge of his own costuming on Dirty Rock? <laughs> well, it's more like, yes, I think he was making decisions. But more than that, like, that entire Devin Banks character was just sort of like, <laughs> it's the mid-2000s. Do we need to be joking this way about gay people? But I just want to go back and say that there's a beautiful message in Futurama when Zap turns on them and has them arrested for threatening to violate the Prime Directive or whatever it's called, that if you fuck with the authorities, you will always... Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Brannigan's Law. Like, if you go to the authorities for help, you will always end up reinstantiating, uh, like, cis, white, heterosexual patriarchy. Yeah. Also, I like that Leela has sex with him, and I think saying... Pity sex is giving her too much of an out. I think Leela <laughs> makes bad decisions. And yeah. she was Very fucking Star Trek by Zap Brannigan. Yeah. Well, Guy, we previously <laughs> talked about this on a prior episode. Jinx at one point in her life was sleeping with a Zap Brannigan every week or two, you know, and we would have to learn his name and we would be <laughs> nice to him. 
and then we would never see him again. But now she doesn't drink. It was a time in my life when I really needed my femininity validated. So I was (laughs) um, um, uh, haphazardly sleeping with a Zap Brannigan type (laughs) quite often because their their machismo uh, inflated bravado somehow was uh, validating my femininity at a time where I wasn't embracing my own femininity myself. Um, I am, I am, uh, more evolved now, but I gotta say, you know, um, Zet Brannigan sex isn't always bad. Uh, <laughs> you know, you just both have to be drunk. I used to call it heteronormative role play when I would sleep with really like assholey um, straight. You just wanted to be. Guys. You wanted to be Katie Seagal, and you wanted an Ed O'Neill, and it all comes. You really are Leela. <laughs> I do identify with Leela a lot. And, and, you know, you pointing out that sometimes Leela just makes bad decisions. You know, it's not always that she's like um, conned into things. She, she, she got drunk. Um, she was lonely. <laughs> Zap Brannigan was pathetic. And the two of them, like two passing starships in the night, consummated oh, nice. their, um, their oh. sad little sex lives. <laughs> Are either of you aware of the early 80s situation comedy Double Trouble that starred Katie Seagal's identical twin sisters? Wait, who was her identical? Oh, she played both of them? No, those two girls are her real-life sisters. Um, What? Their dad dad was a famous director who died horribly on set. And then I think... How? uh, Like cut up by a helicopter. Like oh, my de- God. Like, oh, uh, Twilight Zone? It's not Twilight Zone. It's a different... During the late 70s, early 80s, we were doing a lot of decapitating... Uh, <laughs> like helicopters. With helicopters. You know, you can just CGI those blades. It'll be fine. The audience won't know. They didn't know what CGI was in 1983. Yeah, um, a lot of bad things happened before CGI. I think we could all yeah. agree on that. <laughs> Um, but uh, it's an amazing... A lot of bad things happened after CGI. Did you see those Alice in Wonderland movies? <laughs> okay, I've said the Alice in Wonderland movies suck. And was that your phone? <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. I will turn... Oh, no, I'm not mad if it was you, Guy. I'm, I thought it was Jinx. Um, <laughs> I was no, the guest yell. is never in trouble. Yeah. But more importantly, Jinx, like, I would have thought that you would be a Helena Bonham Carter stan. I, I am. I that, like... I, I often say she's the only good thing about those movies. Okay. <laughs> I forgot what movies we were talking about. Um, so uh, I do want to uh, just briefly call out while, well, my main thing is I think there's too many candles in the sex room and I think we should talk about it. There's too many. <laughs> there's also, there's overhead light already. I don't know what the candles are doing. They're not creating. What are ambience. the candles doing in the year 3000 anyway? You know, like you have you, candles like with, in an all oxygen environment. We all know what with, happened with the space program, you know. With all the ways that they've evolved, there's not something better than candles in the year I, 3000. Because I'm not remembering the episode where Commander Riker makes an omelet for several members of the crew and everybody's like, you cooked? Like, I think seeing real live fire is connecting them with their base animal past, you know? It's like a beautiful gesture. Also, you don't know that those weren't like hologram candles. Okay. You don't know. But also, I just felt like it was too. It didn't. No, we do, guy. I'm gonna disagree. We do know because when they wake up, the candles have burned down, which also to me suggests that they got drunk and fell asleep with the candle still burning, which is really dangerous. And I think people need to stop having sex with candles. Well, you're also like trying to, um, like make logical sense out of Zap Brannigan's. Seduction. I'm talking about real life. (laughs) Just everybody cool it with the candles. Just do one. You know, this one smells like oatmeal stout, and it's very. Guy, that candle guy is showing us a a short stout. It's funny that it's an oatmeal stout candle because it's also a stout in in stature candle, and that candle is not going (laughs) to fall over and create a fire on your spaceship. My desk is very messy. You don't know how I'm going to start fires. I almost started a fire just by lighting a candle under something, thinking that there was enough space, whatever. Anyway. I will uh, say, I I have always thought that candles were reckless. And uh, (laughs) I will say- You heard it here first, folks. Nick Zahoya, anti-candles. 
I will you say they send must your complaints. Be, <laughs> they must be somewhat safe because I lived with Jigs for two years and she lit a lot of candles and did not burn the I house down. I barely lit any so candles. So if anyone, if Jinx can handle candles, I think you guys can handle candles. Listen, Leela has Leela has sex with Zat Brannigan. She's immediately <laughs> ashamed of it. She's immediately hiding the fact that she slept with Zat Brannigan. And then they get to their original mission, um, whether Zat Brannigan sanctions it or not. Um, they go okay, down to the- Stop you right there, Jinx. I'm very sorry, but I've just realized Zat Brannigan was having sex with someone who is established as having no depth perception. And I would like to say <laughs> I am oh. pivoting on this candle point um, <laughs> she was thrusting back and forth and could not tell how far away things were. They're very tall candles. They have a very like high center of gravity. Yeah. The candle holder seems like maybe an, what, like an inch or two thick in proportion to like how tall this yardstick long candle is. It just seems reckless. And there's dozens of them. People need to stop. Yes, it's with the reckless candles. to leave an open uh, open flame. On a on a spaceship, that's just a given. <laughs> now let's leave the candles for a moment <laughs> and move on with the episode. Before they we get onto the planet, I want to <laughs> say that it was funny when Fry and Bender were trapped in the room, and Fry was like, "Maybe we can get out through this steam pipe." <laughs> Bender, you pull it open, and Bender pulls it open, and he's like, "No good, it's full of steam." <laughs> and then it cuts to them later, and they're just like sitting in towels, having a nice. Having a nice sweat. <laughs> they go down to Vergon 6, and it's their job um, basically to treat the Planet Express ship like an ark and save uh, save the animals, like at least one of every species of animal on this planet, so that what they don't all go extinct. What a funny animals we see, too. What a fun bunch of animals. Guy, what was your favorite of the fake animals? I liked the brown yak thing after the planet collapses and there are three animals just standing on it. <laughs> yeah, um, I loved that part. And there's just like an octopus like dangling yeah. from one tentacle. <laughs> I love um, the pony that looks like Leela. Yeah, I knew and- you like her. The, the stupid gag of the pony pointing at Leela like she's the pony and Fry falls for it and tries to capture Leela. Um, they do and this- Leela's not even that mad or surprised. <laughs> she's just disappointed. They do this a lot throughout the show. Um, it's, it's really interesting, and I think it's because Leela is a captain, which, you know, in our time is traditionally um, uh, a male role. You know, we've been conditioned to believe that um, positions of authority just automatically go to men. So it's a, it's a thing that Leela's a female captain, even though in the year 3000 they should get over it by now. But they say throughout the series um, lots of snide remarks about Leela's forearms being large, Leela's <laughs> boots being large. And um, generally com- speaking, if you put a purple ponytail on anything, everyone will think it's Oh, Leela. yeah. <laughs> on an orangutan, on an ape, on a pony, you know, people. And it's amazing because Leela is simultaneously this feminine object of desire for so many characters. But then she's also like constantly like um, depicted as kind of boorish and kind of <laughs> kind of gruff um I mean, and that's well, it's a bit of a liz lemon like. thing because like <laughs> i don't think liz lemon did anything gross enough to warrant the way she wrote herself you know <laughs> tina fey thought tina fey thinks she's uglier than anyone thinks tina fey is and there's a bit of that with leela but she does have the ex- the distinction of having an enormous horrible eye so i guess it works better here but not just the eye. They talk about her <laughs> forearms. They talk about her sweaty boot rash. They talk about her fashion sense. People sure. are constantly ridiculing Leela's femininity, even though when push comes to shove, everyone wants her. <laughs> it's funniest when Amy does it. When the guys do it, I feel bad. But when Amy does it, it's funny. <laughs> oh, Amy has a really good line way earlier in the episode where she's like, oh, <laughs> you just need to be patient with guys. Sometimes you'll think a guy's a pig, but then later you'll realize he actually has a really good body. (laughs) Very good joke. Very good joke. Love, Amy. Um, So this is where we finally meet Nibbler, another very important character. Is it just a pet? We we don't know yet. We do know. I know. I know. (laughs) Is there... I would actually like, if you are a person watching Futurama for the first time and these little things are actually spoiling the show for you, I'd like you to write us in 
and tell us what you think the spoilers mean. Because <laughs> <laughs> the distinction between Nibbler being a character and a pet is very stupid if you haven't seen every episode of the show. <laughs> I also just think there's something so beautifully America in 2002 about, you know, the, the environment was destroyed, but in exchange, we got a source of fuel. Like, <laughs> a good, happy ending. Right, yeah, and so, uh, because that happens because they put um, Nibbler in the cargo hold with all the funny animals, and they're scared that he'll be intimidated, but he immediately eats all of them. Yeah, he eats all of them. So we, even though we don't know Nibbler's full story yet, we know that he is a tiny little creature that's able to consume huge amounts of food and then poop out dark matter, which is used as spaceship fuel. So, you know, even if we don't know the expanse of Nibbler's intelligence and significance, we know he is a remarkable creature. <laughs> Two technical visual things that are so beautifully done, and I only remembered one of them, is when they finally show Nibbler eating the two-headed flamingo thing. <laughs> it is like just his mouth getting very big and then cut away. And, like, it makes it seem plausible without being, like, too cartoonish. And then Bender dragging the dark matter to the, like, furnace or whatever <laughs> is, like, so good. Seeing him sort of, like, incapable of actually lifting something. Yeah, and the dark matter, we should say, is just, it's about the size of a, a pool ball, um, maybe a golf ball. Uh, it's that small, but it weighs, the, it weighs as much as a thousand suns. <laughs> well, Professor has a really good line where he introduced the concept of uh, dark matter, and he says, dark matter is an extremely rare substance, and each pound of it weighs over 10,000 pounds. <laughs> Which is the perfect kind of science joke on Futurama I enjoy. So thanks to saving Nibbler, they are able to escape the planet before its implosion. One of my favorite lines is, you know, because of course Leela slept in um, after being seduced by Zat Brannigan. Um, and then they have to get back to their original mission. And she says, the planet is set to collapse in approximately two hours ago. So they have to, <laughs> so they have to really work fast <laughs> to save all the animals. And then like so many of their missions, they do save all the animals, but then they also bring Nibbler on board and Nibbler eats all of the animals. So oftentimes they, they complete their mission um, by not, doing anything they set out to do. <laughs> I would say very few of their missions end successfully. Which begs the question how how the... Prof I mean, I know we learn throughout the series that the business is not succeeding. But how he must do they be independently wealthy, right? Like, how is he funding... Like, this is just a, a lark for him, right? <laughs> Doomsday devices on eBay. Just like one or two... Oh, he flips them. Yes. Yeah. He could like refurbish an old doomsday device and sell it for twice as much. So Planet Express is more a passion project for the professor. <laughs> um, we did kind of gloss over the fact that before they realized they can use Nibbler's poop for spaceship fuel, uh, Leela has to call Zap after insisting that she would never call him again and beg to be saved from the planet. And I like when she's like, Please, please, Big Z. Big Z. <laughs> and she ends up refusing the rescue because he says he won't come down unless they throw Nibbler off the ship. So Leela has a real save the cat moment here, except for the cat is a Nibbler. Yeah, and... Um, I taught, we... Guy, I taught Jinx about save the cat. Do you want to teach her about any writing theory? <laughs> <laughs> when you have two jokes in something that are about the same subject but are unrelated, it's called a sock barrel. <laughs> I didn't know where that were you, good. Where were you two before I wrote my movie, the Jinx and Dela holiday special, available <laughs> on jinxanddela.com? Um, I was so actually that, brought in for punch-ups on that. So. Moment, like, on the subject of you guys writing, I saw Monsoon season before I knew Nick um, when you were uh, on, on Drag Race. I actually don't know how either. Um, because I was just like, she's so talented, what's her deal? And then um, I saw and so fell in love with the monsoon season and really was like, these are the two most talented people on the planet. That's so, so I am guy. I used to watch a guy on, um, on tech TV and <laughs> I didn't realize that gay people could write for a video game show. So it was very special <laughs> when I found out he had seen my show. Aw. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, um, our our joke intro aside, it is worth stating that Guy Branham is a visionary and a true queer icon in our community, and you've paved the way for a lot of queer people. Stop um, calling me old, Jinx. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you've you've created a lot of work um, for for fellow queer comedians, and it's really. Um, it's really, you know, just admirable that not only that you have made it to where you have in your career being openly queer, but you also um, hold the door open for queer artists behind you. So my very hat's off to true. you, Guy. You're very sweet. <laughs> guy, isn't um, Talk Show the Game Show currently on a streaming service that people yes. can watch it on? Talk Show the Game Show is finally on HBO Max. You can watch all of it. With such, very good. with such drag race stars as Pandora Box. <laughs> <laughs> Not Jinx Monsoon. <laughs> we got her! We got Pandora Box! Um, <laughs> I now have an HBO Max subscri- subscription because it was the only way for me and my partner to watch Doctor Who. Um, <laughs> oh my God, she's bragging about having and, HBO Max money. She's bragging about having a fiance. Full, this is full just a circle. Full vanity project. <laughs> Full circle, um, uh, Pandora Box is a big Doctor Who fan. So my partner keeps saying, you should do a Doctor Who inspired look. And I keep saying, I'm sorry, I can't. Pandora Box has already run the gamut of Doctor Who inspired drag. So <laughs> I, I can't touch Doctor Who inspired drag because it already belongs to Pandora Box. Look it up. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel like we're done. <laughs> Guy, do you have any final thoughts on this episode or the I have show some final general? questions for, for, yeah, for Guy just about, just about Futurama in general. Um, just, uh, well, I just, uh, my final thought is it's so much fun to watch when they're doing everything iconic. When you really are getting to see those first three Zap Brannigan jokes and they're so funny. Um, it was really a delight to watch. Sorry, go ahead, Jane. Sorry. Oh no, I, 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 my favorite thing about Futurama is the writing. You know, I love the concept, but um, really, the things that tickle me mo- most are just the really stupid jokes that, like, <laughs> are subtle and dry but hilarious. Um, my question for you is: of all the Futurama characters, and don't worry about just this episode, but of any Futurama character we meet throughout the series who would you most likely date and who would you most likely want to do? Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say, who would I most like to, who am I most like? And that the clear answer is hedonism bot. Like my brand <laughs> is hedonism bot. Um, so I'll I would be say, upstairs putting batteries and things. <laughs> so probably who would I most like to do would either be Jombie, his manservant. Um, <laughs> Or uh, like Robot Devil. I mean, Robot Devil. The Robot Devil, I would like to say, is the kind of guy who seems cool when you meet him, and you're like, oh, he's got a whole thing going on. And then once you actually <laughs> he's got start a dating sweet house, him, you're like, oh, he's a fuck up. He's like never actually getting <laughs> done what he wants to get done. He's whining to you about how um, people keep on beating him at his own game. Uh, but what about you? Well, I think I'd most likely date Fry. I mean, I think Fry is just the right level of everything for me. You know, I, I feel like there wouldn't be a lot of pressure on me in the relationship. And I could be the sugar mama, which is the role I just naturally fall into um, in so many past relationships. Um, and who would I most want to do? Oh, I mean, Robot Devil's a really good one. <laughs> yeah, like Robot Devil, I feel like um, would be vying for approval enough to really be an attentive lover. <laughs> Maybe Calculon. Um, um, no, Calculon. Cal- the theater kids are not good in bed, though. Calculon's going to be a, a bore <laughs> in the sheets. <laughs> um, let me think a little bit more on who I'd fuck in future i'd fuck that horrible gelatinous blob (laughs) why you can fuck him anywhere (laughs) it just goes right in 
That's, I don't know. I, you'd have to ask the blob if you could just fuck him anywhere. We're, I assume all of these fucks are consensual. Like, obviously, okay. the blob is into it. Yes. Um, I, I, I finalized my answer. I would do Barbados Slim. Oh, um, okay. Great answer. <laughs> Barbados Slim is a sex god, and we all know it. He is very hot. <laughs> and Nick, who would you most likely be in a relationship with? I think when Amy gets turned into a guy, <laughs> I'd be down for that. She was pretty yeah. hot. <laughs> um, guy, do you have anything you'd like to plug for our listeners? People should watch my now defunct talk show, Talk Show the Game Show, which is now on HBO Max. People should watch it a lot, so they'll want to do more of them. And then other than that, I have not produced anything because <laughs> it, it is um, 2020 and we didn't do anything. And the one show that I wrote for aired and then already got um canceled it's on peacock you can watch it on peacock though it was a zoom sitcom go to (laughs) go to peacock and just yell at your apple tv zoom sitcom and it'll take you there you know what you should get a peacock subscription because battlestar galactica is on there and you can watch all of (laughs) battlestar galactica including the plan the movie i have to brag the miniseries i have to brag about one thing did you watch caprica or whatever that's i didn't Oh, it looked bad. I only know <laughs> Alessandra Torresani from season three of Drag Race. But Everybody's favorite Cylon. <laughs> on, on the bad Zoom sitcom that I worked on, the gay character had children that were never seen because it was a Zoom sitcom, and I named them Ross and Visage, which I thought was very funny. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I will actually uh, go watch that because everything you write for is lovely. And That's Guy... Very- Remind us uh, the title of your book so that because the book exists and won't my, stop existing. My book is called My Life as a Goddess, available wherever books are sold. Nick Sahoya is, you're thanked in the end, aren't you? I am thanked in it, yes. You are Very thanked. sweet of you. Um, so I would really yeah. recommend if you had so much fun listening to Guy talk, get the audio book version because Guy reads his own audio book and it's like having a delightful 20 hour podcast. It's really good. It was fun. Thank you guys so much for having me. Thank you for being Thank here, you, guy. Thank you, guy. You were a, Jinx, a, a you, pleasure to chat with. <laughs> can you kind of do like a, an outro that works? I want to thank you I all for like listening. I don't like this pause. Like the pause ruined it. Like I had to pause for an edit. I know, but you point. did a weird breath, you know? I want to thank you all for listening to I'm 40% Podcast and a very special thanks to our guest, Guy Branham. If you want to continue listening to our podcast, you can subscribe to the Jinx Monsoon Patreon for early access or just wait until it's available wherever podcasts are distributed. I give it a three out of ten. Thank you so much, Guy, for being on the show. <laughs> You're so amazing. It was thank you so much. You.